great to see each and every single one of you and uh, it's good to be back from holiday it's good to be able to preach God's word to you uh, this morning and uh, we just missed being around the family of God over the last uh, couple of weeks so it's great to be here and once again great to see you Phil uh, and everybody and if it's your very first time with us this morning uh, then after the service we're going to have free tea and coffee it's in the garden for the last time uh, this summer so stick around and uh, get to know who we are and we'd love to um, just get to know you a little bit better at this time. But let's dive into the word of God and of course we find ourselves in September which so often is like a new start, right? Just like January is a new start to the year, September is so often a, a fresh opportunity for that new start. As I said, next week we got our kids' church graduation. They start in a new academic year. And next week we'll also begin a brand new journey all about prayer. And that's not just going to be a series, a teaching series on Sunday. That's going to be a journey that we're on together as we look at what is prayer for us individually as individual believers, but also as a church community. And we're so expectant and excited about what God is going to do. And then that's going to be all the way through to December when we start thinking about Christmas. But that's for another moment, another uh, day. Let's just stay where we are right now. So turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13 if you've got them with you. We're going to be uh, spending time in Matthew 13. Because as I said, September is a great time to pause. Uh, it's a great time to reflect. And I believe it's a great time to make decisions. You know, in January, a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. But I believe by the time we've reached September, we've kind of learned a few things about the year. And actually, September often is a better time to make decisions, to make fresh starts, to make commitments. And I believe that a great decision that we could make individually and corporately this morning is a decision to grow. A decision to continue to grow. Because as a people of God, how many of you know we should be continually growing? We should be continually maturing into the people and the disciples that God has called us to be. The, what I mean by that is the day that you got saved, the day that you said yes to God, should not have been the end of a journey. For far too many people, they have that moment of salvation, they're given a gift of new life, and they just park themselves there until one day they meet their Heavenly Father in heaven. God has more for each and every single one of us than that. But God not only wants us to go to heaven saved, He wants us to go to heaven saved and changed, amen, living in victory over every single area of our lives. How many people want that for their own lives this morning? So this morning, we're going to journey through Matthew 13, but let me just set the scene for this, because actually the longer we journey with God, the greater the journey should be. Let's look at a couple of verses on that. Psalm 84 verse 5 says, Blessed is the person whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Now that word pilgrimage simply means a journey. But a relationship with God is exactly that. It's a relationship. It's a journey. It's a growing thing. It shouldn't remain static. It shouldn't remain at day one where we began. But it's a growing thing. Verse 7 in the Amplifiers says this, Those people who set their hearts on pilgrimage go from strength to strength. I love this part. Increasing in victorious power. How many people want that for lives? We want to be increasing in victorious power. So the longer we all journey with God, the more we should be living in victory. That should be the hallmark of us as disciples, as believers. The longer we journey with God, the more we should be living over victory in situations, winning over situations in life, going from strength to strength in God. Proverbs 4 verse 18, again in the Amplified, says, but the path of the just 
the path of the righteous, is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter, again an increase, brighter and brighter, until it reaches its full strength and glory in the perfect day. And there's countless verses that we could look at this morning that all orbit around the same truth, that the longer we journey with God, the more we should continue to grow. And yet here's the tension that some of us may feel this morning. Though that be truth, that's not always our experience. But sometimes we look around at people around us and they haven't continued with God, they've wandered away from him. Sometimes we look at our own lives and this tension that the Bible says we should be ever growing and yet we feel like we're in a static place in our lives. And so I want to look at that this morning and answer some questions on why. And to do that, we're going to look at this parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 13. Now, if you're brand new to church, if you're brand new to the Bible, when I talk about a parable, it's simply a story. But Jesus told these earthly stories called parables that carried heavenly meaning and heavenly revelation. And sometimes I think we're guilty in church of bringing parables down to just something we teach the kids. So every time they come out, you see them when we're doing tea and coffee, they come out with all this craft and all this amazing stuff that they do in kids' church. And so often it's about a parable that Jesus told. And often we reduce the parables to them when actually the parables contain so much depth and so much richness and so much truth for us as adult believers. And we're going to look at this today. And as we journey through this parable we're going to see that it remains relevant today, just as it was relevant in the time that Jesus was speaking of. But as I pastor people, and as I lead a church community, but also as I individually am just a follower of Jesus Christ, I see how relevant this parable is. I see it played out over and over again. And I believe this parable is going to do two things for us this morning. It's going to answer some questions for us. Questions such as, why is it that some people continually grow in their walk with God while others fade away. Questions such as, why is it that people make these big statements for God, they make these big declarations, but it feels like they can't sustain it, and yet others, again, remain faithfully committed to him for years? I think it's going to answer some questions for us, but I also believe it's going to pose some questions of us. Questions such as, what's our response to the word? What's the condition of our heart when it comes to God dealing with certain things in our lives? And I pray that we'll be challenged and encouraged by these words today. So Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. It says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, and so he got into a boat. And from there he stood and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, including this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds quickly sprouted up, but because the soil was shallow, they soon died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on the fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And if you're new to church and you think, what on earth does that mean? What on earth is that all about? Here's good news. Jesus explains it in verse 18. He says, now listen to this explanation about the parable. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. 
Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the word and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. And so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60 or even 100 times as much as had been planted. The parable of the sower. Now as we walk through this parable this morning, here's a simple question that I want you to rhetorically think upon today. And the question is simply this, what soil type are you? Now, don't want, you don't need to put your hand up and say, well, I think I'm this or I think I'm that. But, but think about that and let the Holy Spirit speak to you as we journey through some thoughts this morning. What soil type are you? Because here's what Jesus is getting at, that each soil type is a type of person in their response to the gospel primarily, but also in terms of how they grow. But yes, primarily, this is about the gospel being sown and the gospel being preached and their response to the message of Jesus. But I believe that it can also be about growth. You see, the reality is you can react to God and you can respond to his word, but it's always your choice how you do that. The condition of your heart is always down to you. It's not down to your connect group leader. It's not down to your spouse. It's not down to your best friend. It's down to you. You cannot control what happens to you in life. How many people know that? You can't control what people say or what people do. But what we can control is our response to what comes our way. And when it comes to God's word, let's be honest, there are bits that we love to respond to. Right, Jeremiah 29, 11, what God spoke over the nation of Israel. We take as our own, yeah, yeah, that's me. God has plans to prosper me. We, we kind of love that, right? We respond to it. But we don't find it so easy to respond when Jesus says, actually, I want you to love your enemies. You know, there's people who persecute you. I want you to pray for those who persecute you. We maybe find that a little harder to respond to. And so we're left with a choice. How will I respond? And Jesus shares this story and he speaks about different soil types that represent different types of people. And in pastoring, I yearly or monthly or weekly probably encounter all four types. And yet as a follower of Jesus Christ, I have to be honest and say, I've also been all four types. But here's what we need to realize. Just because you're one soil type one week doesn't mean you can't be another soil type another week, both positively and negatively. Jesus says, the sower goes out to sow. That's what happens every time you open up God's word. Every time we gather as a church community, the word is sown. Every time you open up God's word and look at it yourself, the word is sown into your life. And Jesus says, some of it falls on this seed. Some of it falls on that seed. But let's establish something that you would have heard before when looking at this parable. There is never anything wrong with the seed of God. There is never anything wrong with the word of God. 1 Peter 2 verse 23 calls the word of God incorruptible, imperishable. In other words, the word of God is eternal, amen? It's living, it's active, it's truth. The seed goes out and it lands on different soil types. The first soil type is the footpath or the hard ground, Jesus says. The, the seed falls on the hard ground and the birds came and ate up that seed. 
Now, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to the word of God being sown, the hard ground represents a hard heart. Jesus is talking about that kind of person that you may know that's simply not interested in any spiritual things. Every time you talk about Jesus, every time you talk about your faith, they just kind of quickly change the subject, they close you down. These kind of peoples often have been closed down emotionally. Often when you talk to this kind of person, if they're angry or bitter in their response, you find that there's a deep root of hurt somewhere along the line and there's a trust issue. Sometimes because people have been hurt by the church, which has often happened, they don't have this concept of the, the love of God because of what they've experienced through the people of God. Other people you speak to, they kind of respond in a way where they, they say, okay, I kind of get the God stuff, but it's not for me because I'm living a good life, right? So if you want to talk about Jesus, go speak to drug addicts, go into the prisons, but I'm doing okay. I don't hurt anybody. I've got a good moral life. I, I, I raise a good family. I'm doing all the things that, that should be done by a good person. And so they don't see the need for the gospel and they don't see the need for the forgiveness of their sins and the whole thought of repentance. And sometimes when you are sharing the gospel with somebody or you're talking about Jesus and all that happens, it keeps landing on, on hard ground over and over again. It's almost like the gospel bounces off that person. And that can leave you deflated, especially when it's a loved one, especially when it's a work colleague that you care for, especially when it's somebody in your family that you're believing for, but it just always seems to bounce off of that can leave us deflated when we encounter hard-heartedness but remember what the bible teaches us don't grow weary in doing good for in due time for in the right time in the kairos moment that we've been looking at throughout this year in the god moment we will reap a harvest so when it comes to the gospel being shared the hard ground the footpath is often Almost like the grace of God seems to bounce off that person. And yet I want us to see that even as Christ followers, we can be this type of soil. We maybe have responded to the gospel. We've received salvation. But as I said before, there may be certain areas in your life this morning where you know you are growing hard-hearted. Where you know God's word is trying to penetrate through and it's just bouncing off your life. Sometimes it's when Jesus speaks to us about forgiveness. Jesus, I'll, I'll let you deal with anything else in my life, but don't go in this area called forgiveness. Don't you talk to me about this person. And suddenly we become hard ground when it comes to forgiveness. Sometimes it's when Jesus speaks into our family. Sometimes it's when Jesus speaks about our finances. We become hard ground to what the Word of God speaks. What area of my life what area of your life is God trying to sow seed but it's landing on hard soil and being eaten up Jesus says some seed fell on the hard ground he goes on he says some seed fell on the rocky soil verse 20 to 21 the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy but since they don't have deep roots they don't last long they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word now again, as a pastor, I've seen this so many times, and yet as a follower of Jesus Christ, I've also been this type of person. That the Word of God comes into our life and we respond with joy, and yet it doesn't last. A little bit like, like fireworks. I don't know what people's views on fireworks are. Some of you love fireworks. 
Any of you with pets probably hate fireworks and you're getting towards that November time when your dogs are going to be cowering in the corner and flipping out and you hate fireworks. But all of us could agree that fireworks are there one moment, they make a big scene, but they're gone the next. And that's how it can be sometimes with us as people of faith. God speaks into a situation. We get so responsive to his word on a Sunday morning and what God's doing in the presence of God. But then by Wednesday afternoon, we're wondering how we're going to make it through the week. Other times, God speaks into our area and we make big declarations. God, the rest of my life, I'm going to serve you. And then by Friday, we've turned our back on him. What's the problem? Jesus says we don't have deep roots there's no depth that's why somebody can respond to God and never grow and then the first bit of problem that comes their way they get offended at others they get offended at God they stop trusting the God who just a few months ago had saved their life and that's why our relationship with God has got to be more than an emotional response, right? At Family Church, we don't want to be a bunch of just emotional responders. Yes, God sometimes moves and emotionally we respond to that, but we've got to be standing on truth, not just based on feelings in that moment. Because sometimes feelings and emotions won't carry you through the truth of what God is doing in that season. Now, here's the big truth about being committed to growth. We can't do that for you. That's the reality. We cannot do that for you. We as a church can equip you. We can provide greenhouses, if you like. We can provide environments where you can grow. But it's your choice to be committed to growth. Sunday mornings are a greenhouse for growth. Connect groups are a greenhouse for growth. Different courses that we run. Different moments when we gather together and get around the word of God are a greenhouse for growth. Forge Ministry School, which I know some of you are starting next week, is a greenhouse for growth. But we've got to make the decision individually, I don't want to remain shallow soil. So as a church, we're committed to growing you. We're committed to equipping you. But here's the reality. I can't make you do anything, nor would I want to. Right? I can't make you read the Bible. I can't make you pray and have communication with this God who saved you. No, no one can do that for you. It's our choice to respond to what God is doing. And when you read in the Bible, we read of a church that changed the world around them. What were they? They were self-devoted. Remember what we looked at in one family in, the, in July when we looked at the book of Acts chapter 2. And the Bible says that they devoted themselves. And as a result of self-devotion, they saw God move powerfully in their midst and in their individual lives, right? Because when you want something enough, you'll do whatever it takes, right? We're all in agreement with that this morning. I've shared many times before, when I decided that I was going to spend the rest of my life with Kirsty, but I needed to convince her that the same was true for her, and she wanted to spend the rest of my time with me, I got self-devoted. I did whatever it took. I was where I needed to be. I said the things I needed to say. As I've shared before to my shame, I joined kids' church simply to be around it. I didn't want to be around the kids. Now, that's not a good reason to join kids' church, but suffice to say, it actually did work, as you know. I got self-devoted because when you want something enough, you'll do whatever it takes. Nobody can decide for you that you're going to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Only you can make that decision. Some fell on the hard ground, some fell on the rocky soil, some fell on the thorny ground. Verse 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. 
But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, and so no fruit is produced. Now, the thorny ground represents a distracted heart. Jesus says there are people who respond to God, they're moving forward, but then distractions, the worries of this world, or sometimes the pleasures of this world, the lure of wealth, become a distraction that choke the seed from producing any sort of harvest. And again, we can be that kind of soil sometimes. We love God, we come to church on the weekend, but then we get preoccupied with the stuff of life. And see, so often, here's the problem. We love the idea of Jesus as Saviour. Everybody loves the idea of Jesus as Saviour. Who wouldn't? But our priorities mean that we struggle with the concept of Jesus as Lord. And so we say, yes, Jesus, thank you for saving me. You can, you can have my life, but please don't get in the way of my plans for my career. Because I've got this mapped out. Jesus, I love you. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth, but don't mess with what I've got arranged for my family and the timeline that I have. Jesus, I love you. I give you everything that I am. We sing these songs. All that I have is yours. But get your hands off my wallet, Jesus, because that's mine. And the minute we go to there, what we're saying is we love the idea of Jesus as Savior, but we don't like the idea of Jesus as Lord of our finances or our career or, our, or, or any area of who we are. And Jesus says the worries of this life or the pleasures of this life choke the seed. I don't want us at Family Church haven't to be a bunch of people who attend church but aren't seeing growth in our lives individually and as a church community. I want us to be people who are bearing fruit in our marriage, amen, who are bearing fruit in our homes, in our businesses, in our life. We don't just want to be saved. We want to be saved and changed and making a difference. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So often we just skip over that until he says, seek first the kingdom of God. But just hang around that phrase for a moment. If we're people who are distracted by, oh, I'm worried about this, or this is my career plan, or this is that. If we're people who are thinking about just the everyday things of life, and those things aren't just fleeting thoughts, but they dominate our thinking every single day of our lives. Jesus says we're no different to unbelievers. He goes on. He says, your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything we need. I wonder if today you find yourself loving God, but distracted. I wonder if you find yourself just taken by the lure of wealth or possessions you can have or the career or whatever it might be to a degree that it's choking all that God has for you and all that God wants to do through you, the thorny ground. And then he ends and he says, there's also good soil. Verse 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60 or even 100 times as much as has been planted. How many of you want that to be your life? I want that to be family church haven't, that we reap a harvest 30, 60, 100 times as much. So let me ask you a question this morning. George, you can come up. We're going to wrap this up and pray. But let me ask you a question. What soil type are you today? 
I don't want you to nudge the person next to you. What, what, what are you? What, let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. What soil type are you? Are you maybe in an area where you are hard-hearted? And you know you're letting God have access to, to 90% of who you are, but there's 10% where you're just holding back. 60% of who you are, and there's this whole 40% that you're saying, no, God, I, I don't know about this. And you're remaining hard-hearted. Is God challenging you in an area, and you're just saying, back off spiritually? You may be rocky ground where you're fine one moment, but you have no depth. And maybe the problem is that you've embraced church, but you haven't embraced Christ. Listen, let me say to you as a pastor of Family Church Heaven, Family Church itself cannot help you and answer all your questions. Jesus is the answer, amen? Now, this is the church of Jesus Christ. We believe in the living church of God. But Jesus is the answer. And we can't be people who love family church and love being around the people of family church, but aren't walking with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He takes priority. Are we thorny grounds where you have a distracted heart? Some of you this morning, you know that you're so desperate to grow. You're so desperate to see more of God at work in your life. And yet you feel like you are pulled in multiple different directions right now because of worries, because of distractions. God today can change that. And maybe you would look at your life, and not with arrogance, not with pride, but you would say, no, actually, right now, I feel like I'm good soil. Now, if that's you, here's the question. How do we remain that soil? Because I don't want to look back at the end of my life and think I didn't produce a harvest. I want to look back at the end of my life and say in my journey with God, in my marriage, in who I am as a father, in what I did in leading this church community and so on and so on and so on and so on, we produce fruit. We produced a harvest 30, 60, 100 times over. I love what Paul said to his protege Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. How do you do that? You do that by remaining good soil. You do that by when others walk away because they were rocky soil. They got distracted. They got offended. You say, God, I'm remaining committed to you and what you want to do in my life. Let's remain good soil. How do we do that? Just as we close. Keep growing. Keep growing. Don't be rocky soil with a lack of depth commit to continued growth allow God to work on your character so as we start September a great time to make decisions here's a commitment I want to encourage you to make commit to continued growth whatever that looks like for you I'm not going to prescribe that because it could mean so many different things but continue growth in your walk with God here's another thought don't get distracted life itself is full of Distractions. There's so much crying out daily for your attention. And I want to encourage you, don't let stress, don't let workload, don't let worries, don't let distractions take you away from your first love. His name is Jesus. And so as we start September, I want to encourage you, not only commit to growth, but commit to focus. How do we remain good soil? Don't look back in regret. Now, some of you, you've reached September he said, oh, another nine months have passed and here I am. At the start of January, I said, this year I'm going to defeat this and this year I'm going to grow and this year I'm going to have a better prayer life and this year I'm going to do all of this, 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 this and the other. And you're in this moment of September saying, here we are again. Listen, don't look back in regret. Look forward to what God has 
for you. We've all had seasons where we got distracted, where we coasted, where we made mistakes. Here's the good news. His mercies are new every morning. Do we believe that this morning? His mercies are new this morning. God can restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. Maybe you think it's not just the last nine months, Steve. If you knew it's the last nine years, it's the last 19 years, God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Commit to looking forwards and guard your heart. Listen, if you want to remain good soil in this season, can I really encourage you, guard your heart. Don't let pollution in. Don't let offense get into your heart. Don't let discouragement, frustration get into your heart because it will rob you from your harvest. Jesus said, those who are good soil bear a harvest 30, 60, 100 times as much. What does that look like? I don't always know, but I know this. I want to find out. Amen. I want to find out. Imagine what God could do with the rest of this year alone if you committed to being good soil. Imagine what God could do with us, a random bunch that he's put together in this community, community called Haven. From different backgrounds, different ages, he's put us together. In the last 14 years, God has done so much. But imagine what he could do more if we committed as a congregation to remain good soil. 30, 60, 100 times over. That's what I want to see in my life. Amen. Let's just pray this morning. And as we wrap up today, I just want to ask you in this moment, if you're a believer, to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this moment from this word? The truth is, as Jesus preaches a message and he says the parable of a sower and this seed and this seed, seed, there's so much within it that no doubt the Holy Spirit is speaking to each of us about different things at one time. So what is it that the Holy Spirit is challenging you on today? Father, I thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. I thank you that your Holy Spirit takes the word and grows it in our life. And I thank you, Lord, that in this moment, we wouldn't be condemned. We wouldn't be judged. But we would be challenged about the condition of our heart, the condition of our life. Father, for every single person here who's been distracted, for every single person here who's got offended, for every single person here who's realized they don't have depth in their life and they're just just skimming the surface of who you are and what you want for their lives. Father, I thank you that we would be inspired today to reach forward for that harvest that you have for us. And Father, I thank you for, for individuals. I thank you for, for, for married couples. I thank you for families. I thank you for us as a church community that we will, in Jesus' name, see a harvest 30, 60, 100 times as much. Father, over street pastors who've been a part of our morning, we speak a harvest 30, 60, 100 times as much. Father, I thank you for that ministry. I thank you that you continue to grow that ministry. And I thank you for many salvations that we'll see as a result of that ministry. Father, over this church, 30, 60, 100 times as much. And over our lives, 30, 60, 100 times as much. So Father, we make a commitment this morning. Would you help us? We can't do it by ourselves. Would you help us, Holy Spirit, to be good soil so that we will see that in our lives and all God's people said amen and amen we give him praise and we I just want to encourage you just dwell on that word and think on that word throughout this week we're going to head out to the garden but before we do if the Holy Spirit was nudging you about street pastors make sure you go and see Steve otherwise he will also come in the garden and find you if God is speaking to you he knows so 
Have a great week. We're back here this evening and uh, stick around for tea and coffee.